0: all right so desmond thank you very much for being on the podcast of course i Hello. appreciate it uh would you please state your name your personal pronouns and your title here at work
1: sure um uh, my name's desmond luck i'm uh i go by they them um i'm the evening access service yeah evening access services assistant okay. um which is just the person handling the night shift and the student workers.
0: You're the only person with a time of day in their title. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) How do you feel about that? Do you like your title?
1: i'm ambivalent about my title okay. i think it i think it doesn't excite me it doesn't rouse rouse me <laughs> um i don't i don't wake up every morning and go to sleep every night thinking man i've got such a great title <laughs> um but conversely i don't come to work thinking wow one day i'm gonna have a really cool title not like this one yeah um so i think it. i think it. i think it doesn't bring me any great joy but it doesn't bring me any great sorrow excellent um yeah, yeah. I I don't mind that it has a time of day attached to it. I quite like the evening. Okay. All right.
0: Great. For the Sarah Lawrence Library, I'm Tim Kale, and this is the Sarah Lawrence Library Podcast. For today's episode, you'll get to meet Desmond Luck, a new staff member here at SLC Library. We have a thoughtful conversation I'm certain you'll enjoy. Before we start, I encourage you to give the podcast a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. This is your way to leave a positive mark on the show and help us continue to find our audience. Forgive the sound of the the 3D printer. Uh, You probably have um, been able to pick it out now that you've heard it so many times. Uh, But it's going right now, and it's printing this beautiful bowl uh, designed by Christy Osterday. You can listen to Christy on the show several episodes back. Uh, but she's very crafty and is, uh, has a guy for design. Uh, and this bowl is just beautiful. You know, you'll, hopefully you'll be able to see it. Um, it's, it's black with these stripes in the center. And it's going to be used to hold our keychains, which are also made on a 3D printer. So some 3D printing is going on here. And it's very exciting to see what we're coming up with. You can connect with us on social media at SLC Library on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Remember to visit the library website at saralawrenceedu library for any of the many services we offer, including booking a consultation with our research librarians or using our sewing machine or 3D printer. If you have any questions, concerns, or suggestions that you'd rather not share over social media, just email me at fkail at That's my contact email. Here at Sarah Lawrence, and I'd be happy to hear any thoughts you have, be they negative or positive, as it relates to this podcast. So let me hear from you. That would would be good. The Sarah Lawrence Student Life Preservation Project is accepting contributions. Visit slcstudentlifeproject.omeka.net for more information. That URL will be in the show notes, so don't worry, you don't have to remember Just look at the show notes and it'll be there. So that about does it for this intro. Thank you for joining us on this day. We hope this episode finds you well and that you share it with all of your friends and colleagues. Now let's begin.
1: So how long have you been with us? Uh, just about a month at That's this point—a little over a month. I think a month and a week now. I started August twenty-first. Oh wow, it yes. it seems longer to me, which it is does. good. Uh,
0: it's just which is a good sign. Um, when like I I kind of get a sense of people as they are here, and I get a sense of whether or not they're sort of easing into their role or matriculating. Sure. Sure. Um, and I feel like you are.
1: I would like to think so, certainly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely feel like you are. Uh, what's some? What's a task that you've been given that you're that you think like? Okay, this is cool. I can do this.
1: Um, yeah, I'm doing work orders, which is my kind of thing because it's fairly routine bureaucracy, mm-hmm. um, which is something that I have gotten excessively good at um, <laughs> over years of sending emails to administrators at schools and um, just being a student who was active and involved and being a person in my hometown who was active and involved and having kind of a sense of like, here's the, here's the chains of power that you do or don't have to walk up to get things done Mm. um and so i'm incredibly good at sending emails and sending them repeatedly and knowing when to send them and who to send them to and so that's something i love um even if it's on the surface a little boring um but i also really enjoy the more forward-facing aspect of it i enjoy doing info desk i enjoy getting to talk to the students um when they come over with questions um i was a student um which is something that People may or may not know. Um, I graduated last year and I came right back because there was a position open in the library Um, and so I quite enjoy the front-facing side of things. I get enjoy getting to talk with the student workers and talk with the students. So
0: you just graduated you said yes yes how if you can sum up I know it's kind of of hard to sum up four whole years but if you could uh, how was your experience at Sarah Lawrence?
1: qualitatively I think it was good. Um, I think the best thing I took out of Sarah Lawrence was learning how to fight for things that I believe in um, and how to again you know learning the learning the corridors of how when to speak my mind and when not to speak my mind and who to do it to mm-hmm. So That's I think great. Sarah Lawrence gave me a great great environment to learn that
0: That's great. Um, so I'm going to describe this feeling. You just let me know if this resonates with you. Uh, do you know that feeling you get when you meet someone who's switched on like uh, like a light bulb, like they're just switched on and, uh, it's like they've taken the red pill in the matrix. Have you seen the matrix?
1: I have seen okay, the matrix. Good, good. Am I on a um, Manosphere podcast?
0: <laughs> uh, taking the red pill in the matrix and they just know stuff. You strike me as that kind of person. Uh, you've been through some stuff, and you just know some stuff. Like I just get that vibe from you. You're attuned to your own frequency, and it's operating at a high level. Am I right in this assessment?
1: Um, Well, it's an incredibly kind assessment. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And I do think you're right. I think I have, I spent a lot of my childhood reading obsessively, Mm. and I think I paired that in high school and then in college um, and even a little bit in middle school with a, operational understanding and that's kind of what i'm touching on with with repeatedly encountering bureaucracy um and using it both as an ally and as an enemy um in my past i think i've i think i've gotten a sense for how different institutions operate and so how to pair the things i learned in books with real life experience um and so i think i have i'm i think i'm a little headstrong i think i have a sense for what i want to do and how i want to do it and i think i'm pretty able to push with it. So definitely
0: let's talk about being headstrong. Sure. So headstrong, uh, can be a blessing and a curse. Yes. With, with as it relates to you personally, what, tell me the curse first, then tell me the blessing.
1: Sure. Um, the curse is that I very often have an opinion about things. Um, and that, I think I'm right quite often (laughs) and that's not to say that I am Uh, and sometimes I'm wrong um but my instinctive gut feeling in a situation is often often to believe that I'm right um if I have a strong opinion in other words I trust my gut um and I think a lot of going to college and going to high school was learning how to identify how to how to kind of break that curse, how to know when I'm right and how to know when I'm wrong and how to do the research to decide which of those two I am. Mm. um, Or when it's a little more complicated than it might seem. Okay. And the blessing of being headstrong. I guess it's kind of the same thing, but reworded is that I trust my gut and I think that I'm right from the get go. um, And so I'm a lot less willing to stand down on my principles Mm. Um, than I otherwise might be. And so if I I feel like I'm right, I'm going to act on that feeling and push forward with things, which has been incredibly invaluable for me, standing up for myself or being a proponent for either me or other people.
0: I wish I had a little bit of what you're talking about. Like, I... When push comes to shove, I end up standing up and saying something. Mm -hmm. But it's like push has to come to shove first. Like, a lot of times I'll just be quiet... For sure. Um, but then there's other times where, like, especially at work, where, like, I'll n- think something is wrong and, but, like, then see through, try to kind of see through the future that comes from me saying something at that moment. Mm-hmm. And if that future does not lead in any positive direction, then it's just like okay, there's no reason for me to get mixed up in this right now. Sure. I'm not. No way I'm gonna benefit, or anyone's gonna benefit from me getting mixed up in this right now. Let me just sit back and observe. And I've done that a lot, and it's, 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 it served me well. Like in meetings, in particular,
1: mm, I can imagine.
0: But but there are, but you will find times and if you've got a supervisor who is cool with with your personality and you trust each other, trust is really big. Mm-hmm. You'll you'll know when you can like push further. Yes, definitely. Um, but yeah, I think you described uh, headstrong very eloquently. Um, yep. Are you satisfied with your education here?
1: Yes. Great. I think that all of the academic side of my time at Sarah Lawrence was perfectly satisfactory. I think that I, the only thing I wish is that there were so many wonderful classes I did not get to take because of the other equally wonderful classes that I took. Um, and so almost every semester, with the exception of maybe one or two, I felt like I was being asked to choose between classes that I would never want to ask, have to choose between. You know, I, I turned down a class on uh, nuclear weapons and Cold War policy that seemed incredibly fascinating. It's been a pet topic of mine for years in favor of a handful of other classes, and I think that those classes were worth it. But I really wish that I could have taken more classes at my time at Sarah Lawrence. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. my only, only only, downside to SLC. Okay. Okay.
0: Um could you tell me about some of your mentors? Sure.
1: Um, I and, guess, And this
0: could come in any time in your life, you know?
1: Right. Um, I guess the immediate, the immediate obvious answer is that both of my parents in their own ways have taught me how and when to push for what I think is right versus when to sit back like you were talking about. Yeah. Um, I think that, Both of my parents have bits of them that are incredibly headstrong and bits of them that are a lot more cautious. And I think the way that that splits between them is different. And so from both my mother and my father, I've learned how they approach things. Um, And that was tremendous. I think they were incredible mentors in that. Um, And I also think I've benefited massively from my peers. I have memories both in high school, uh, in academics, in athletics, having teammates or classmates who were figures of leadership for me. Uh, Declan Alvidrez is somebody who I think of immediately, a kid who went to my high school who was the fencing team captain before I was and who taught me a lot about what being a leader without exerting top-down authority looked like. Mm -hmm. Um, He was somebody who I think I never chafed at the leadership of Mm -hmm. and somebody who always felt like he was looking out for us, looking out for the team. And I think I I took a lot from that about how to be involved in leading something without making people feel like they are being commanded. Um, and then in college, I think the RA Alliance of which I was a part was an incredible movement. And so many people in there, uh, Bella, uh, uh, Oh goodness! So many, so many people who—Sophia, um, who were so incredibly involved, uh, Eli in the ground movement of that of that organization, and who taught me how to fight and when to fight, and who made decisions that I could watch and mirror on how to approach going for what they deeply believed in.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. Like that sounds like a very good uh, experience. Um, so what led you back here to the library? Uh,
1: yeah, my father is a public librarian and up until a year ago, I wouldn't have told you that that was a career path for me. Um, but I've watched him do incredible things at his library that really spoke to me as I became disillusioned with my previous choice of career paths that, choice of career paths that I'd walked into college thinking I would pursue. Um, and I watched my father have a lot of opportunities to collaborate with people on incredible projects. Um, the city he worked uh, for the library of uh, maybe six, seven, eight years ago now, uh, launched a program.
0: What li- What's his library?
1: Uh, it used to be the Elizabeth Public Library. That's the one oh, I'm okay. speaking about in New Jersey. Okay. Um, and Elizabeth has a massive... Um, immigrant population by either variety of nations or percentage of population. It's incredibly high, perhaps number one on the list of most diverse immigrant populations in the nation. Um, and as as that, there are a lot of people who, for example, need to learn English as adults. Um, and so there was an ESL program at his library um, that was doing you know, incredibly important work in offering a resource that people could take up. Um, there was a program to do a municipal ID, which meant that the city issued an ID instead of just the state DMV issuing IDs. Um, obviously, it came with less privileges, but what it was incredibly important for was that the lower barrier to entry, the lower barrier of proof of ID meant that people who were, say, homeless and had lost their ID documents over years and years of living on the streets and couldn't prove six points of ID to get a state DMV license could get a city ID that proved who they were if they were, you know, stopped by the police or needed to prove their age or needed to prove their identification to purchase something or needed to get into somewhere... I saw the library be used as a place where people could get access to computers, access to internet, um, all of that without having to pay. And I thought that was a wonderful thing. Um, I saw uh, the library being used as a place to host events by organizations that were fighting for uh, driver's licenses for people who didn't have documentation to make uh, driving safer, to make those people's lives easier. Um, And I think at the end of the day, what I saw was a place where community happened and where people had resources that they depended on heavily. And that became something I wanted to do. And so when I left Sarah Lawrence, I was aware of the fact that I wanted to work a job in a library before spending money on a master's degree. (laughs) And right around the spring, as I was starting to leave, the position opened up for evening access services assistant and knowing the Sarah Lawrence Library environment and knowing that I liked it here, I applied to come back. Okay. Well,
0: that's a great, uh, I love the, the trajectory there of what you're seeing your dad do. Um, and this, uh, what we, but you mentioned career paths and how yes. they diverged. Uh, I feel like that's a pretty common experience. I've had mm-hmm. that experience. What was your headspace when you entered Sarah Lawrence College? What were you planning on doing when you got out?
1: Sure. Um, when I entered Sarah Lawrence college, uh, so in 2019 to, to timestamp it, uh, in the fall of 2019, I had the idea that I would come out of it working for a non-government organization, doing some sort of nonprofit work. Um, so something a little more local than say somebody like the, uh, Oh gosh. Um, PETA. Sure, thank you. you. Sure, blanked on every name that I've ever <laughs> thought of. Um, you know, something more, more, more local than the national organizations like PETA, um, but something that was ideally focused on providing resources as equitably as possible, um, and that was what I wanted to do and with a little bit of political lobbying in there. And that was what I wanted to do. Um, and that was what I dreamed about and it was going to be human rights based, um, and possibly based around, uh, immigration advocacy because I'm proficient near fluent in Spanish. Um, and that was something that I knew gave me an edge in that area and that I wanted to, to, to keep using in my life. Um, and That fell apart during 2020. Um, My class went home, or all all classes went home for the year for COVID. Um, I did school online over Zoom. Um, I watched tremendous uh, police repression. Um, I saw a lot of things that shifted my ideas about how feasible I thought the work I was going to be doing when I came out of college would be. Um, And I also got the opportunity to do tremendously amazing work providing food for families free of charge who were stuck in their homes because of COVID, either because they had immunocompromised relatives or because they themselves had COVID. And the program delivered food, groceries weekly to families who couldn't get out and buy it themselves, um, or because they just couldn't afford it. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was massively fascinating. And I think doing that kind of opened my eyes to the idea that I wanted to do things that were maybe a little, a step further away from political advocacy and a step closer to human to human connection. Mm -hmm. Um, And... And I think over time that turned into interest in librarianship. Mm. Because I mean, when you're a librarian,
0: it's not thought of as this way, but you're truly like an open resource for the public or for whoever your constituents are. uh, If you're a private library and Mm -hmm. you really are this kind of multi-tool of a human being. For sure. sure. Um, And so you've, what was it that made you made that turn towards libraries though? Was it that, was it seeing what
1: your dad did? I think it was just a combination of factors leading to that. I think it was seeing what my dad did. Um, my dad did a lot of work side by side with another organization that I had worked for um, during my high school and the beginning of my college years um, as a, as a volunteer um, and so I think that was the transition into paying a little more, or a little closer attention to the opportunities my dad had as a librarian. And I think that that kind of opened my eyes to the concept of the library as a resource for the public. Um, and a lot um, of the libraries I've interacted with be it the Elizabeth Public Library, the Patterson Public Library, um, the Jersey City Public Library, libraries that have been in communities where I've been in. Um, And have interacted with, have had large quantities of homeless populations or uh, non-native English speaker populations um, or people who came because they'd gotten out of school and their parents were working a job so they couldn't pick them up yet. And so it was, you know, school kids hanging out in the library until five or six when their parents would get out of work and be able to pick them up and they could go home or just people who we're using the library for some other reason than to come in and take out a book. And so I think seeing that the library could be like you say, this open multi-tool for so many people was tremendously transformative in my idea of what it was.
0: So a lot of the work you want to do is service-based and uh, uh, rooted in in a ground level of a community. Yes. And helping the people within that community who need it. Yes. Um, so, taking on that responsibility, especially if you have a strong empathy bone, can be difficult uh, emotionally. It can be trying. Mm-hmm. So, how do you maintain that necessary, comfortable distance emotionally from the thing you're doing? which can be very emotionally taxing uh, how do you maintain a certain distance or do you need a certain distance to make sure you can go about the rest of your day not disillusioned
1: sure um, that's a tough question to answer um, I think I think that I would I would answer it in a couple of ways the first of which is I'm not sure that I've solved that 100% um, I don't know that I have a perfect answer you know I mean I've I've not been doing... I've done other work of a similar kind before, but I've not been doing library work for more than, you know, a few months now. Um, I worked a semester at Sarah Lawrence before I graduated, and now I've been back for a month. Um, But I don't think I've really had the time to fully flesh that out. Uh, And I will say the other side of it is that politically, I think I'm both disillusioned and not disillusioned. Um, Oh, that's interesting. I think in a lot of ways... I've given up on certain structures providing the com- the resources that they're supposed to. And I think that has in its own way been whatever the opposite of dissolutioning is, because I think I've realized that if I don't do things and if people in a community don't do things, then nothing gets done. And I think in a way that puts... Yes, it can put a crushing onus in terms of feeling over-responsible, but I think the opposite is also just that I'm a human being doing what I can, and so I'm going to do what I can. And I don't know how to explain that perfectly, but I think it's freeing. It's an
0: awakening. Yes. Okay, have you yet experienced the difference... Between being a student and being a staff member.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) It feels massively different. Um, Almost, dare I say, a little uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, Because understand that, especially because of the year that I came in at, um, and the time that I came in at, my second year of college, and everybody in my class's second year of college, we went home and... I would say 80 to 90% of the class was not allowed on campus. Um, Very few people got lucky and got housing, but the housing was incredibly limited, and most people were at home on Zoom. And many people, as a result of that, opted to skip a year, uh, opted to take a year off and come back to take a gap year. And so I know a really large amount of people at this college larger than I would if I had just been a senior who graduated and new juniors and and sophomores and freshmen who are still here. Um, On top of all those numbers, I also know people who were in my class year who are now technically seniors again, um, but who would have graduated with me if COVID hadn't happened. And so I know all these people who are anywhere from dear friends to acquaintances um, who I see around. And I think it would be fair to say that the dynamic is necessarily a little bit different. Um, Even if just from the standpoint of that, I'm not one of them anymore, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you have your name tag? Did you get your name tag?
1: I do have my name tag. I almost always forget to wear it.
0: (laughs) I did not. It's funny. I did not wear my name tag for about five years <laughs> yes. and then i started wearing my name tag and i don't know if it does anything but it is a nice kind of prop for to sure. assert i am this
1: thing you know i am a staff member i think for me it makes things a little more awkward because i forget somebody's name and they have a clear immediate reminder of what mine is yes. um so yeah it puts a little more pressure on me to remember everyone's name from the get-go yes
0: uh, do you play video games? Yes, I do extensively. Well, okay, Great. So g- give me, if you can, uh, like three of your favorite video games. Sure.
1: Um, I, without exception, my favorite video game is slay the spire, which is a deck builder roguelike, um, which means that you build a deck of cards and use those cards in turn based combat to defeat enemies. Um, and roguelike means that uh Colloquially means that you the gameplay is based around sometimes winning, some uh, more often losing, dying, and starting over again, and improving from that. Um, and the concept is that you are slaying the titular spire, um, and you are you are one of four characters, and your job is to climb through the spire, defeating enemies, and finally defeating the boss at the end. Um, it's a phenomenal game. I have. Um, and I hope my parents don't hear this episode, but I have just shy of 500 hours in that game (laughs) Um, over, over, I think, since midway through high school until now, perhaps, uh, which is kind of a terrifying amount of hours to have spent in a video game. Um, And then I think second and third on my list right now would be uh, Falcon BMS is a mod of a 1999 video game. It's an almost complete conversion mod. um, And so it looks a lot nicer than a 1998 video game would otherwise. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a flight simulator. um, And specifically, it's a flight simulator of the F-16 Falcon uh, jet. Um, And it's based around a dynamic campaign engine, which creates um, a kind of ever-moving, ever-different ground and air war around you. Um, and kind of the big thing that that, that is that separates it from other, other flight simulators of its like is that you are a very small part of a larger process uh, in every campaign you start and that things will always go different and that it's a lot easier to just kind of hop in and start a flight um, and there's a lot less placing units and creating missions. Um, And so I like that a lot. I like it because it works with my time schedule (laughs) um, because I'm working 40 hours a week. um, and don't have the time to meticulously create missions just to play. And I like it because it's always interesting and new and unique. um, And it scratches the side of my brain that really likes planes, um, really likes things that go fast, really likes um, planning and getting a sense for what I need to do to defeat a challenge. Um, And so I love that. I love flying and I love getting to play that game. And then third on my list would be Gunner Heat PC, which is a Cold War. It puts you in the shoes of a Cold War era um, tank tank uh, crew member. And you are in the Folder Gap in Germany, which was one of the expected most significant conflict points for a hypothetical uh, World War three in the Cold War. And so, in the year 1985, you are a tanker either on the NATO side or the uh, Soviet side, and I don't know, you shoot other tanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's really fun. Yeah. The effects are incredible. Um, the work they've done on television screens in that game to get the 80s effect is brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. The voice acting is wonderful, and it's a
0: lot of fun. All right, that's
1: so great. So there, I've talked to you you're off about three games. Oh,
0: that's that's great. That's exactly what I wanted. Uh, do you like movies? In theory, yes. In practice, I watch really few of them. I don't know why, but I kind of expected you to say that. Um, <laughs> I, which is I, which is a position I feel that should be acceptable for sure in our culture, and I'm not sure that it is. I'm and not I, either. I, I, I'm a, I am I am a cinephile. I am. I love movies. I will love watching all kinds of movies for sure. Um, but. I believe the opposite perspective should be given space to exist
1: for sure. Um, and I don't, I, you know, to clarify, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a moral opposition per se. Um, I think there's plenty of movies that I watch and greatly enjoy. Um, I watched princess Mononoke, um, which is a studio studio Ghibli film earlier this summer. Um, loved it. It was very interesting. Um, you know, I, I've, watched, I've watched plenty of films across time that either new or old were wonderful. Um, I used to watch, oh gosh, classic detective noir films all the time. Nice. Um, and more recently, I still remember seeing both uh, Moonrise Kingdom and The King's Speech um, in theaters yeah. as a kid. Yeah. I, I still remember the impression both of those films had on me.
0: Oh, man, you but, were a kid.
1: Yes, I was a... I was, I was a, so old. I was maybe like, I don't know, 11 or 13 at the time that Moonrise Kingdom came out. And I think wow. I was young enough that I was scandalized by the use of the word um, yes. in, 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 what, 2010 maybe when uh, King's Speech came out? Yes. Sorry, I, I, I started to say that word. Had an instinctive flinch response because I, for many years in my childhood, was a guest on my mother's radio show, which is governed by the FCC because it's a radio show going out over uh, live on air. Yeah. And you can't swear in those. Uh, The fines are hefty. Um, And when I say hefty, I mean significantly hefty. Uh, Radio station cripplingly hefty. And so I started to say that word. And then remembered that I'm being recorded, and
0: yes, yeah, yeah, no. The, well, it's interesting you say that because I have made the the podcast, uh, in Apple, uh, podcast gives the designation explicit or clean. I've made them clean just cause. No one's actually asked me to do that. <laughs> okay, for so, sure. uh, I, But um, I've decided to make them clean, so I'll cut out
1: that little bit. Thank you, yes. Sure, I'll cut I, that out. I whispered it, and so I'm sure it'll be yes easy enough to cut out. So uh, we're,
0: we're, we're getting to, to the end here. Uh, let me see if one of my most interesting questions
1: here. What do you hope to accomplish with this job? I think first to go back to what I talked about, I want to get a sense of how much this is a career I do or don't want to continue on. Um, And I think so far the answer is that I do want to continue on it, but I'm obviously only a month in. Yeah. Um, I think adding to that, uh, something I want to take away from this job is as much of a sense of what everyone here does as is possible. Um, I talked to Jeff, who does interlibrary loans, about what that process looks like on a day-to-day uh, on a day-to-day side of things. I'm going to be talking to Christina, our archivist, about what her work looks like. Um, I think archives work seems incredibly fascinating um, because, as much as I've talked about being a resource and how I enjoy working with the community, and as much as that is something I want to do, I think that. Also, archives are an incredible resource and interlibrary loans are an incredible resource. Both of those things have enriched my life tremendously. Um, And I would be, I think, at the end of the day, potentially happy doing any of that work. And so I think I want to take away a sense of what I'd like to do um, so that when I go to school and get my master's, I have a sense of what I want to focus on. Um, But I think more immediately in terms of what can I do while I'm here, Uh, that affects things or affects the community or is good or, you know, I don't know. Um, I think I want to offer programs. I think I want to be involved in programs that are going on. I think I want to see the library become a space as it's slowly becoming um, where students want to come other than just to study, other than just to, you know, print something out. I want them to be interested in the space as somewhere that they can go for other reasons.
0: All right. What would be a good thing... For your supervisors to know about you. Oh my. (laughs) Um. Um. I asked this question to help you both. For sure. For (laughs) sure.
1: Um. Ah. Wow. Heavens. Um. This is, uh, you know, I I didn't think I needed prep for any of the other questions. This is the (laughs) one question I most need prep for, which maybe indicates that it's the one question I should most most need to answer. (laughs) Um, I think knowing that I'm somebody who is incredibly curious and incredibly willing to follow through on that curiosity um, is something that's good for a supervisor to know about me. Um, In other words, that if I don't know how to do something, I will figure out how to get it done, and I will do all of the contacting or reaching out or finding resources that I need to do to figure out how to get that done. Um, I think that makes me valuable in that I think it makes me very multi-role. And I think that I'm able to adapt to new things, even if I have a minimum of information about them, as long as I can find places to learn more. Okay.
0: Hey, that's a great answer. Uh last two questions. What advice do you have for the Sarah Lawrence
1: student who is listening right now? Um I mean it's cliché, but do things outside of class, I think was and and meet people was fantastically phenomenal for me. You know, I mean I sp- I spent a lot of this a lot of this episode talking about Connection, And I think that I would not be even close to where I am today if I hadn't met so many people who even casually helped me. You know, um, I have taken tremendous amounts from people on sports teams I was on who were incredible figures in, even if they don't know it, in teaching me how to be an adult, in teaching me how to be responsible, in teaching me how to interact with other people in, you know, the best ways Um I think that I've taken tremendous amounts from organizations I was involved in throughout my life. Um, I think I've taken just tremendous amounts out of friendships that I've had. Um, And I think those were all magical things that I got at Sarah Lawrence that I got because the crowd of people here is so interesting and so just full of varying kinds of people doing varying kinds of things. And I think that's one of the most important things that you can do um, is find people and see what they are doing. And, yeah.
0: All right. So last question. Actually, second to last question. What advice do you have for the parent of a Sarah Lawrence student who's listening right now? Because they are listening.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, For the parent, I think... I think understanding that kids go on, I don't know, this is going to sound cliched again, but go on, go on, go through processes, go through journeys, um, and that they won't necessarily meet what you expect from them or even perhaps what you want from them 100% of the time, but that that is not indicative of anything other than where they are at that point and that what they're doing might actually be incredibly useful for them. Um, I think college is a great point for children to become adults. And I think that in order to become adults, they have to try and they have to sometimes fail. Um, I think I benefited greatly from failing. I think I know a lot of people that I'm friends with who benefited greatly from failing and not, you know, failing a class necessarily not, you know, failing a certain specified thing, but just having the freedom to try things and have it not succeed. And sometimes that is, you got bad marks in a class and sometimes that is, you know, you, s- you stayed up until 4 a.m. and then realized that you can't get to class the next day on three and a half hours of sleep and you learn from that. Um, but I think that college is all about trying things and I think that sometimes, in my experience, parents can be very scared to see their children try things that seem like they're not the smartest ideas and that parents sometimes want their children to somehow magically absorb all of their knowledge about what does and doesn't work. Um, and I think just understanding that your child is learning how to be an adult is a very good thing to know.
0: That is great. Um, Very wise. (laughs) Um, So my last question is, do you have any questions for me?
1: Yes. Um, What has you, so you, you taught, you asked me a lot about my experiences at Sarah Lawrence and I'm somebody who's, much more familiar with the student side of things and with what it's been to be like to be a student and is getting used to being, uh, being staff now. What has it been like for you as somebody who came on uh, to this campus without having graduated from here? Um, What has it been like learning to be an employee here and what was your ups and downs of that?
0: COVID was definitely one of the downs, right? Big down for the entire community. For sure. Um, ups have been just getting to learn a lot from people. And when you work with people and it becomes kind of familial, which is not necessarily a good thing. Don't, I'm not saying they, they you know, your coworkers are your coworkers and right. it's good to maintain that boundary. Um, but human dynamics just take over. Sure. And there'll be some people who don't like some other people. And then that causes tension and just, you know, there's just going to the whole human drama will play out in an office, which is one of the reasons the office is so good is because it's so true. Like there are just colorful characters who come in and they, they're here for a season and then they're gone. <laughs> uh, but, um, speaking for my own career here, um, I started in 2004, 2015. Mm-hmm. And I started as an administrative assistant, working three days a week. And I was just so happy that I had to have a job because I hadn't had a job in a while. Sure. So I was just so happy to have a job that I wasn't really thinking about, uh, am I going to advance in my career here? Am I going to do this? I kind of wanted to have that three days a week because I was starting, I just started my professional wrestling podcast right. and my blog at the same time. So I liked having those three days and then two days extra off. Right. Right. Uh, to write and things. And I'm still kind of working that. Like I'm Mm -hmm. still, even I've added a day. I work four days, but I still have my Monday off. So for me, it's been pretty good throughout the entire experience. There's been some difficulties like personality wise, like there have been some difficulties along the way, but there are other personalities that are like your port in the storm where you can go to or talk to someone whenever you're stressed about something or bothered by something. Sure. Or let's say you had a not particularly good patron experience. You can talk to someone about it. Um, right now, we're in a state of kind of flux. So there's a lot of new people right now. Mm-hmm. And there's only this, like, there's less people who've been here for five or however so many years. I've been here eight. Um, so we're, we're all kind of like feeling each other out and trying to find out what the natural equilibrium is. Hmm. And what I've learned is that during times of uh, tumult, the best thing to do is actually, uh, this is the best thing you can do always. Observe. Just right. watch people just watch how people behave and what they do and learn from it Mm -hmm. and really figure out what is something that matters to you and what is something that doesn't. And someone may like, let's say there's a thing that you do, like you put, like let's just say you put the, the paper on the shelves. Right. Like I used to do. Right. Okay. So like, When I give that responsibility up, I have to accept that I'm giving it up to a person who's going to do it their own way. Mm -hmm. They might do it a little differently. They might put it here instead of there. Uh, And I just have to be okay with that. Some people are not okay with that. They can't bring themselves to to let something go or to just be okay. Um, I'm kind of rambling. So I don't know if I'm helping at all.
1: No, I I appreciate your answer. It's been... been Yes. Okay. That has been helpful.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. It, overall, it's a very nice place to work. I've worked at a few places uh, before. This customer service type jobs, and there's a customer service component to this job. Certainly. But um, the Sarah Lawrence community and uh, the staff here, I think, uh, is in a good place. Certainly. Thank you. And we're all the better to have you, Desmond. Thank you. I'm <laughs> glad to be here. Thus concludes this episode of the Sarah Lawrence Library Podcast. Thank you very much to Desmond. I hope this job works out well for you, and it seems to be off to a good start as far as I can see, and I appreciated you being on this podcast and sharing your thoughts with us. If you'd like more from the SLC Library Podcast, then go back and listen to one of my other conversations with staff, students, or faculty to tide you over until the next episode. Remember to give the podcast a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social media, at SLC Library on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And visit the library website where you can check your library account, reserve a study room, or book a consultation with one of our research librarians at sarahlawrence.edu slash library. The Sarah Lawrence Student Life Preservation Project is accepting contributions. Just go to slcstudentlifeproject.homika.net for more information that url will be in the show notes if you have any questions concerns or suggestions feel free to email me at any time to fkl at sarah my very public email <laughs> uh, music is from the youtube free audio library thank you so much for sharing your time with us we look forward to doing it again next week